copyright avoiding intro music. Hyped did I, hyped did I, hi did I die die did I, hyped did I, hyped did I, hi die 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 Hi, this is Rebbe Kiva. I'm here with my daughter, Fega. We're speaking on Erev Yisod, Sheba Yisod, which is also a special day for visiting Yosef Hitzadik, the biblical patriarch Joseph. And as a matter of fact, Fega is leading a tour group to the kever, the tomb of Yosef Hitzadik, the tomb of Joseph, biblical patriarch, uh, this evening, with which is located in Shrem in the city of Nablus. A very special trip is arranged. It has to be arranged with the with IDF protection. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your trip you're going to lead tonight? Uh, I'm leading a bus of about 50 people. Though I've had requests for so much, so much, so much more. Yeah, your phone's been ringing all day. But <laughs> can I bring a friend? Can I bring six more people? You know they limited the amount of buses um, for your such a this year. There's only 45 going in instead of the normal 70. Um, one the one time a year they allow in the most amount of buses is your Sajjah Be'asod, which is 70 buses compared to, let's say, the normal 25, 30 they allow in every month. And in the midst of Yesod, Sheba Yesod, what do we have? An Israeli government functional failure. Well, isn't it perfect? I'm going to the king of Egypt, so it works out, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that in the midst of... Uh, you know, following an election, which seemed to have a pretty clear mandate for uh, parties on the right, combined with uh, the religious supporting parties, that one of the parties on the right decided um, he's not going to be involved, he's not going to join, and rather than allow the leftists to get involved and try and create a government, um, they decided to dissolve the Knesset to force new elections to prevent the left, actually. Well, do you from, really think Lieberman is a rightist? Well, I mean, again, it, it, you know, in Israel, defining what's a leftist yeah. and what's a rightist is a uh, is an interesting topic. It's quite different from what's a leftist or a rightist in America. I mean, most of what you call a rightist in Israel, uh, and maybe that way from conservative-ish, support-ish for religious causes and um, conservative-ish moral causes uh, and a stronger security posture. Uh, but it would not involve uh, lowering taxes, or, as you would say in the States, or a significant reduction in government involvement in the economy in the portions that they're involved. Uh, you know, taxes in, in Israel are significantly higher than in the yeah, U.S. that's true. And uh, that's not the platform of any of the parties on the right. There was a micro party that tried to get in that had some of those policies. That was Zahut. Oh, yeah. And uh, they failed. Um, listen, I, I was really hoping we wouldn't reach here. Uh, I personally run the Ingle Department of the Yitzma Yehudit Party. So what was the failure? Uh, the failure was that Lieberman wouldn't budge on the Chokagius, the draft law, 
and the Haredim wouldn't budge, but I think it was more the issue of what Lieberman's stance is compared to what UTJ's stance is, or even Shas. Well, so part of the question is, how do we keep getting back to this topic? I actually read a news article a moment ago that says, they're protesting the draft law in Mayasharim, which is ridiculous, because there is no draft law in effect. What happened is... Uh, they brought forth a law. There was, there was a group called the Tau Commission, and they formed a law based on that. They got basic agreement from the religious segments of society, and they're supporting supporting parties. It's not representative, but it's supporting parties. And that was the law that was passed. As a matter of fact, that's what your brother went into the army on. He went into Nakal Haredi on the basis of that structure. And then two years later... Right, somebody protested that to the Supreme Court, and and the Supreme Court said that law is not representative or something. It's not equally balanced, and so, so they canceled I think, it. I think it's a concept of Torah the Torah is my faith. That basically you can get an exemption by being a Kailal younger man or a yeshiva bacher. Um, some people use that. I'm talking about yeshiva bacher wise to just not be able to go in and be able to work or do national service or start their lives because, you know, by a certain age, you're already getting married and whatever. Um, but I think it's a differentiator of every person has to do army service and no one can get out of it, okay, even for what their religious beliefs are. You're saying, you're be, saying that was, that's what Lieberman wants? Or? Yeah, basically, like, there's two, my understanding is there, there's two options. I think I'm completely wrong, though, that there's this concept of, like, okay, we're, we're going to try and find a balance. Listen, there's a quota that has to be filled every year. There's nothing to do about it, okay? We need this X amount of soldiers to be able to protect the country and be able to support the country as needed. Listen, that said, we also know from your brother's experience, you have multiple brothers that are going True. through the military, um, that you know, one, of the, one, one of the big arguments here is a cultural argument. It's not as much of, yes... There's definitely people that don't want to go in the army. There's definitely people that want to spend all of their time in religious studies. And I don't have a problem with that. I think a certain percentage of society should be focused on moral issues and religious issues. And that gives us a balanced society. However, the army in Israel is also one of the great cultural assimilators. Well, right? So here's the question, for example. There's many, if you want to say leftists or uh, Arab supporters, you um, and they very much are against drafting. I mean, they're what's called salvanegius, okay? Or they're in the IDF, they're serving in the IDF, and they're very against the IDF. They're oh, these are, I think the term in English is a conscientious objector, meaning they object to service. So they not only object to service, but like they're all out against the army, or they're like, we agreed to something that did good for the IDF, and then they're like, no, we shouldn't have agreed to that, we shouldn't have made that move. Um, they... I mean, just as there are religious people um, arrested for not showing up at the draft office, there are non-religious people, like in Tel Aviv and Haifa, in all types of places all the time as well. But they're dafka, like Salvanegius, because we think the poor Arabs suffering in Gaza. Um, and so they think that basically by joining and being in the IDF, they're committing war crimes or something of the sort. So you have this mix of different positions that turn this into a ridiculous situation, right? There's a certain percentage of the Haredi, the ultra-Orthodox community, which would do service if the army offered them service. 
But the army... I think it would... But the Hold on, let me just finish that one statement. But the army doesn't just want service. They want service with a culturalization. So, in other words, if it was go, put on the uniform, learn how to fight, right? And when you're not fighting, you've got time to learn Torah. If you want to learn Torah, you've got time to go to synagogue when you're not in battle or whatever, God forbid, right? Um, then they would be fine. But then the army goes goes along and he says, no, 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 wait, we have to have con concerts with female performers. And we have to have situations where you're going to be in, in uh, mixed you know, mixed gender situations that don't actually need it. There's no uh, military requirement so for I that. So I agree with you that there's a specific gender issue. I think that there's an army culture as well. But if they want to entice people, there can be incentives. There can be incentives of if you own, if you do military service, for example, you'll get like a 50% uh, discount on your mortgage. Or for you'll get better when you have kids. Um, oh, by the way, I actually think they tried to do some of that. That was two or three laws ago, which were invalidated. And part of the complaint was, wait, you can't offer people incentives because then other segments of society aren't getting those incentives. Well, that's the whole point of an incentive, no? Well, <laughs> so you've got to, you know, this is, this is kind of like the issue, the issue in the states of uh, trying to right discrimination. If you write discrimination, you're, you're discriminating now against the opposite see, of what you were discriminating against as a, previously. As discrimination, you know, if you want to entice someone to do something, if you're going to, like, get if, a contractor for your house, right? And if for an extra 5,000 shekel, he's going to throw in, I don't know, painting your walls with a nice fancy design and whatever, you're incentivizing him by offering that extra money uh, to be able to do a better job. I think it's the same thing with uh, IDF soldiers. Come and do service, get these benefits. These are the benefits of protecting your country, okay? They do give benefits now when you get out of the army, but, I mean, you have five to seven years to use them. It's not always explained very well. It's not easy to always to access them. It's a bit of a crazy process. Um, so, there, so there's a segment of Haredi or religious society that would go in the army. And by the way, the Arab segment of Israel because they are Israelis, they don't go in the army, and they're not required to do national service, but somehow that's not discriminatory or equal. I, that doesn't make any sense, but that's like an issue of, no, no, we don't want to address that as a society. Uh, you could incentivize people, and there's a segment that wants to go in, but the army hasn't done a very good job I will agree with that. on making the environment comfortable. Even though they have created religious units, they're still, it's still pretty problematic. I think that there's a there's a fight I think between the army rabbinu uh, that is trying to create and make a environment possible for religious soldiers doesn't matter what level of re religiosity to be able to join and be able to have things in a functional way but then there's like for example commanders uh, or bases that are not necessarily accommodating to it there's people that feel like it's um, and when we say accommodating. We're not talking about particularly significant things. What we're saying is, well, you can change over your kitchen from these products to those products. Uh, when people aren't on duty, they should be in rain. They should ha have availability of the synagogue. These are things that are there. It's just you have to make them a little more available. And then suddenly this whole section is more ready to serve. And they're like, no, no, no. Culturally, you should put up with it. Well, see, the religious, well, as we know, the religious community doesn't want to put
fed up with the cultural, excuse me for my language, bullshit. But uh, on the other hand, I think that the, pe the religious people joining now are putting up with a certain level of it and are paving the way in a way. I mean, even though since Nahal Haredi was founded, it's at least been 10 to 15 years, okay? And like this past year for Yom Azikaron was the first time that they had like a tekes for uh, Nahal Haredi soldiers. Um, what well, a, a tekes is a, a ceremony. Yeah, they had a Memorial Day ceremony. It was completely religious with rabbis. I think if the IDF went to like Rosh Hashivas and said, "Listen, you're going to have your let's say 20% that do really well. Okay, they're going to be the next rabbis, the next shochtim, the next uh, people that you go ask questions to, whatever. They're the serious learners. But the guys that you know, I'm not going to even call them ADHD that don't have the patience to sit on their toches all day and learn eight to twelve hours." Um, Put them in the army, but get, come with us to so we can build like a support system. Okay. Yeah, hey, why can't the Rosh Hashiva come and give a shear on base every week or or every day at the end of the day? He can come and give a shear after the unit's done all the fighting and everything else they need to do. They can accommodate him, give him a base pass. Exactly. He can come on and stick with his guys. Or, you know, have that they have like that they're in a support system that they're familiar with and a system that they know how to work. The army ha is its own system. So, of course, you will have to learn the army culture on a certain level and the army system. But to have something that you're familiar with to lead you through, so to speak, um, I think that would change the way things work. And um, it would also give rabbis insight into certain issues that need to be addressed of religious soldiers like, questions about what you can do on Chag and Shabbos, what your job requires you to do, teaching you, listen, you might not think something is necessary for Koach Nefesh, and it really completely is, and for you, for example, saying, no, I'm not going to use the walkie-talkie on Shabbos, or I'm not going to carry my gun, it is an absolute necessity in the job I'm doing. So part of the problem here, though, is, interestingly, the numbers that were, the number of portion of religious society that was getting involved with the draft was going up pretty high. It was growing every year. It was over over the 50% mark of those that were potentially eligible. And then the court got involved. And the more the court got involved, the more it became a society, religious society and cultural thing to push back. Because we're not going to let those seculars push us around. And historically, it was dangerous to do so as there was a lot of pressure on the religious segment in Israel to move away from their religion, so they did have to push back. Yeah. So, listen, I agree that if we look historically at, since the founding of the State of Israel, what it did to the religious community, that the religious community had to specifically protect itself. Okay, It had to go out of its way to do so because of how the non-religious community and the state were out to get it. Um, and now what's basically happening is that there's a segment of the religious Haredi community that is a bit more modern or a bit more open-minded, if that's the right way, or they're just out of options. Like pe people need to support their families. People need to support their wife and two, three kids that are sitting at home. People want to have some meaning in life and whatever, and they're not necessarily ready to jump straight into university or working. And the army is something that um, builds you up and gives you some time to, I guess, reflect on life, figure out what you want to do, and that you can gain a lot from. And so they're like, Let, let's go do service. It's also like nationalistic reasons, for example, like they're very rightist, they love Eretz Israel. You, you 
grown up your whole life learning about it. Okay, you're very passionate about it. Let me take that passion and do something with it. So do you think that uh, Lieberman and the current uh, coalition failure is more about trying to ignite a cultural war? I mean, here we've got a cultural balance problem. It's been swinging back and forth for the last five, six, eight years, a little more towards the army, a little more away from the army, a little more, more accommodating, a little less accommodating. Uh, you know, one of the big changes they made was changing the law. So if you, once you have your army exemption, uh, two or three later, two or three years later, you can go to work where previously you had to wait 10 years, yeah. which... Ridiculous, completely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it turned, it turned, it turned a whole segment of, of society into scoff laws. Exactly. Um, so do you think that Lieberman is trying to, to try and get more uh, niche power? He's trying to create a culture war? I don't know if he's trying to create a culture war. I will say that during the last election, election for the 21st Knesset, he did um, have many ads against religious people. Like there shouldn't be, for example, kosher food on base, or there shouldn't be a unit like Netzach Yehuda. And I think there's the mistake, because if you're going to try and accommodate these people, if you're going to want to get a segment, if it's like 5 or 10% or even 15% to be able to do the army and whatever, you're going to have to make those accommodations. And truly, it's not really an accommodation. You use the word accommodate, and I want to stop you there. Because I think that's a problem. I think the term is a problem. This isn't about accommodating the religious in Israel. Listen, if you're a Jew in New York City right now, yeah. 40 or 45% of the children in school are religious. So if you're a Jew in New York City, the next generation is going to be 50% religiously observant, Jewish. Okay. okay. And the generation after that, of course, will be 75 or 80%. You're saying that each generation of percentage is gaining higher. I'm saying that the, the majority now in Israel, the, the average Haredi family is seven children. The average Dati Lumi, that's, um, Keep us call it modern Orthodox, that family size is five, which means in Jerusalem, 35 or 40% of the children in the school in Jerusalem are also, actually I think it's higher in Jerusalem. But again, it's the same statistic happening. So while the religious percentage in Israel, the ultra-Orthodox, were, were in the 10 to 15% range, that's going to continue to grow. And the religious, which were in the 30% range, is also continuing to grow. Which means over the next generation and a half, the majority of the country will be somewhat Jewishly, religiously observant. That's a big shift. That's not accommodating. That's changing because your country is changing. By the way, just like in the United States, you know, right now the United States, as we know, is going full tilt woke, whatever that means, right? And, you know, yesterday's news, Martin Luther King, the... A, a very important cultural icon of the United States who basically yeah. prevented the United States from having a type of civil war, mm -hmm. okay, and uh, properly accommodated the rights of, of a big segment of society that had been severely treated wrong, has now been discovered to have done many not nice things, okay, many not nice things, uh, and therefore... Uh, are his statues going to be torn down? Are his street names going to be changed? 
I don't know. That's American business. And where they're where American culture is going with all of its weird shifts is its own problems. Not one that we're going to certainly solve from over here in Israel. But Israel's also changing. Changing perhaps in the so, opposite direction of America becoming more morally conservative and more uh, religiously oriented. So here's a problem. Currently, most of the leadership is not. Okay. And listen, it takes time. It takes... People, you know, to, for example, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court, someone learning to be a lawyer and um, getting into law and being appointed to be in the Supreme Court, uh, getting into Knesset, etc. It, it takes a generation or two. It does. To, and it's the same, same. And so the, the mindset hasn't changed. I think on the street, on a certain level, uh, it has. Okay. But the overall country mindset hasn't. And that's where the problem is. Yeah, I guess you could relate that kind of in the United States also, where you see that most of the Congress critters, uh, I'm sorry, congressmen, um, <laughs> are are in their 60s and 70s, if not 80s. So they can't relate to their people anymore. Well, so they're farther away, and if they don't spend more time at it, um, you certainly have <laughs> interesting um, divergence of what these people think is important or trying to deal with versus where everyone else is at. That's why, I guess, it, in many ways, it's so funny about that congressperson, Cortez. Uh, yeah. Um, really the young woman who keeps going out with all those crazy statements. Um, Did you know that cow parts are detrimental to your health and will make your car blow up and your... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's I don't, like it's I mean, taking things to the other extreme. But yeah, hey, she we, does the same thing in her own way. We we got enough of. There's enough craziness in in uh, Israeli society. We don't need to worry about what what's going on in the U.S. Anyway, have a safe trip to Kever Yosef. Have a great time and uh, come back and uh, hopefully we'll talk about it a little bit and you can share some information about uh, visiting the tomb of the biblical patriarch Joseph. Um, I know last time you went, you mentioned it got a little interesting as uh, yeah. as some of the uh, uh, pa local Palestinians decided to violently confront the but, but idea of force. that stuff happens all the time. Like, I've been there and, like, I can't breathe and I'm choking because literally there's pepper spray and tear gas in the air. And I've been there and I've been on buses that have been stoned, literally, Bus but they're armored buses. Sorry. Yeah, they are armored buses, but still. I've been there like when we've been delayed entering Shechem because they killed two terrorists or they, there was a shooting. Um, you know, we don't always run into what is going on on the other side of Shechem, but if I wanted to know what an Arab state would look like from the PLO and Hamas, then all I need to do is go once a month into Shechem and see the burning tires, the rocks on the street, uh, get the videos on WhatsApp or Telegram, you know, from the Arab side of Shechem, of the updates of the wonderful protest uh, against uh, Jews coming to pray, which, by the way, is in the Oslo Accords that we should have free right to be able to go and pray at Kiver Yosef. We shouldn't oh, have to be able I'm to sorry. sneak in. You, you're clearly under a mistaken impression here that Jews should have rights. And unfortunately, I think the world... Uh, the world seems to disagree with you. Thankfully, God seems to say otherwise. Anyway, have a safe trip. Thank and, you. And uh, bring us back some video or audio clips, and we'll see if we 
uh, can do this again. If you appreciated this, um, please leave some comments and uh, maybe we'll set up a way to support it if we do this a couple of times. Thanks. And uh, shalom and brachot from Eretz Yisrael. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>